Every day you are bombarded with millions of stories, but the one thing that remains true is the best story is the one that gains your attention. Welcome to The Best Story Wins with Chris Watson, where we dive into the art and science of storytelling and story crafting and those that are putting into practice to tell some of the best stories in the world. There are millions of stories trying to gain your attention. They want you to click. They want you to watch. They want you to download. They want you to subscribe. I'm Chris Watson. I'm the host of the Best Story Wins podcast, and I have an incredible guest in the house today, Bill Kirst. Bill, thanks so much for for hopping on and uh, and having a, a cool storytelling conversation with us. Glad to be here, Chris. Um, it's 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 great to connect again, and I'm I'm excited for the conversation today. Yeah, I love the connect again. You know, I think context is king, so I always like to kind of tell people how we connected. So uh, I actually was traveling to Seattle, and uh, you know, every time I travel into a, a certain city that maybe I haven't been in, I always look through my LinkedIn and be like, who would I want? to try to get a conversation with and spend some time with. Well, I saw Bill. I saw what Bill was about. Um, I'd listened to a couple of his podcasts, and uh, he was connected with some people that I highly respect. And so I pinged him. And this is completely out of the blue. Uh, you know, Bill works at Microsoft, which obviously is a brand that everybody knows. He probably – tons of people are reaching out all the time. And I just said, hey, Bill, I love storytelling. thought we could have a conversation while I'm there. And you were like, yeah, let's do it. It didn't work out to me face-to-face. But you and I had, I would call it, a beautiful conversation about storytelling uh, over the phone that probably went longer than we expected. But it was absolutely incredible, which is why did I did I did I tell the story right, Bill? I yeah. think I did. Okay, yeah, cool. You did, cool. yeah. And and in many ways, you know, Chris, it, it kind of feels like that conversation was just yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. I know it was probably a few months, if if not more, because the world's been, you know, a lot has happened in the world since we first connected. But um, but that's a great thing about meeting someone in their story it's timeless, right? And it doesn't matter how much time goes by, you sort of pick up right where you originally connected and where you left off. So I, I do I do recall that conversation. I am glad you reached out. We were supposed to meet in person, but um, the conversation was so fruitful that it felt like I kind of knew you already. Um, so it's, like I said, it's great to connect again. So I want to kick this off by, and this is what I do with every guest, is I, I just want uh, you to have an opportunity to define this mm-hmm buzzword ambiguous word of storytelling or story or story so i'm gonna let we'll start there i'll let you have that definition that's context then for everything else we talk about yeah i mean here here's the thing let's let's context that right before we before we set definitions let's context it because that's how we make sense of the world you know you don't have to look very far you know obviously you talk about linkedin you reached out on linkedin you know if you type in the word storyteller into linkedin I think right now you get over 84,000 profiles that show up with the title of storyteller in there. If you type that in and look for jobs, you get over 135,000 job openings across the U.S. alone that have the word storyteller in there. If you looked in LinkedIn Learning, you have over 900 LinkedIn Learning resources and courses that come up with the word storytelling. So, you know, it's a good question. How do we define it? What does it mean? Well, I mean, to me, it is the thing that sets us apart in our human condition. It's how, it's the tool that I use to make sense of the world. Now, I come from a long line of storytellers. What is a storyteller, right? I mean, for me, 
it's as much um, about your DNA as it is about your environment. And I come from a long line of, of Celtic storytellers. I come from a big Irish tribe. And the way that I made sense of the world was by listening to stories from not only my parents, my siblings, my aunts, uncles, grandparents. And it was through those stories that I knew what to pay attention to, that I knew what to be aware of, what, I, what to be wary of, what to invest in, where to lean in. So for me, it comes down to how we make sense of the world. I love it. I have said this, and I, and I love what you said because I, you know, I think it was about, I don't know, maybe a year ago that the epiphany to me was you have people that are trying to train people how to be a better storyteller. They're trying to be the expert in storytelling when in actuality, well, everyone's already a storyteller. And so at, you know, at, at what we do at uh, Craft & Capel is, for me anyways, our core narrative is we want to make people intentional transformational storytellers because that's the shift is that bill's telling a story chris is telling a story we tell that internally we tell it to ourselves we tell it at our companies or we don't we tell it in our relationships we tell it in our spheres we're all already telling stories and so it's it's fascinating to me that you have all these people that are like i'm a storyteller and it's like well yeah okay well we know that because we're all storytellers right what is interesting to me is I was at a conference last week and I won't drop names, but I'm, I was speaking with somebody that was, um, they have 50 to 80,000 followers on LinkedIn. And what was, I guess, interesting was I had this conversation and this links up our conversation about kind of what, what you're doing and what Microsoft's doing. But I said, you know, if every organization is trying to find, and I think the word that's used is evangelist. I still call it storyteller. They're trying to find more evangelists. They're trying to find these internal people that will wave the flag, that will buy in, that on, you know, on social, they're going to be social selling. She said something really interesting. She said, I probably brought in one to four million dollars into the company I work for. And I've never once been compensated for what I brought in. And I said, Okay, well, why do you keep waving the flag? She's like, because I believe in in the company narrative. I believe in what we stand for. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the people I work for. And I said, well, why is that company not trying to like raise up and develop more storytellers? Now, before I tell you what she said, I want to turn the question to you. Sure. I want to know in your opinion of why are we not seeing companies, at least in my ecosystem, why are we not seeing companies put a lot of effort into uh, developing and training and teaching their people to be better evangelists for their brands, better evangelists for their teams, for what the problem they solve for who they are. I'll ask that and then I'll, I'll complete the story on the back end. Yeah, so I, I think it's a really timely and important question. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of turn to our own CEO for a minute, Satya Nadella. Um, and, and one of the things he said recently, I, I was listening last week to uh, the Ignite conference. It's where we bring a lot of our customers and partners together. And one of the things he said, which was really stood out to me, Chris, was people show up for purpose and connection. And when you think about, you said it, right, social selling, when you think about the way in which we're engaging digital first selling, these are platforms in which we're connecting. But people show up for purpose and connection. So to me, when organizations are trying to build evangelists or brands are trying to, you know, raise an army of storytellers, 
one of the things I think that inadvertently we overlook is the power of purpose and connection. This is not just another thing to do. This is about making a human connection with someone in a way that you stir an emotion in them, in a way that they can revisit a shared experience that you have with them. Because what? We're both human. We're both walking the same pathway in, in, in this world and trying to, as I said earlier, make sense of the world. So one of the challenges I think that brands or companies are struggling with is they're trying to put it in a neat little box or a checklist. And they're, and they're saying, okay, just do these things and you will be sort of beatified an evangelist or a storyteller and that will lead to more selling, more revenue, more connection, whatever it is that you're trying to get to. But the piece that is at the heart of it is, is that connection. And, and, if, and if I don't know my own story, first and foremost, and I'm not standing in my own story, in my own power, making that connection and showing up in a place of purpose is going to be extremely difficult for me to do with someone who might be a perfect stranger, right? Yes, you and I have connections on LinkedIn, and maybe there's second and third tier connections, but for all intents and purposes, we in, in, in and beyond the platform are still strangers. So I have to understand what allows me to connect to you as a human first, as a seller second, as a buyer third, and so forth and so on. So, so for me, you know, at, at the heart of every lead opportunity proposal, whatever it is that you do, is a bid for connection. And if you start there and end there, to me, the rest of it's logistics. So I think that's where organizations are striving to get it right. But the hard part is, you know this, Chris, the hard part is that when you stand in story, the powerful stories are about vulnerability. They're about loss. They're about trauma. They're about grief. You and I talked about some of these things when we first connected, right? And that's what solidified our bond. I, I don't know a lot of brands or organizations that want to start off a meeting in a place of, hey, I'm going to share a vulnerable moment right now. But I will tell you that meetings that do start in that place change the dynamic and lead to in, entirely unpredictable and positive outcomes. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop there with that hypothesis. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I think this goes to what you and I nodded on and said, yeah, absolutely, is too many brands are starting with their own story and not their audience's story. And what I mean by that is we have to be aware and, and stand in our own story and know who we are. But I also think that that, that vulnerability piece, and maybe I, say, I won't say I think, maybe I'll ask. Sure. Could that vulnerable start – can that be, hey, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Audience, I've experienced something vulnerable and similar to maybe what you're going through in X situation that our, our product, Microsoft Teams, let's call it, just mm -hmm. for the sake of, of the brand, Microsoft Teams can actually solve for that because it must feel, I know it feel, feels terrible for me when I was disconnected with the team. Right. In probably one of the loneliest times of my life during the pandemic, we Microsoft Teams wants to solve loneliness. Well, right. is that really the brand story of Microsoft Teams? Well, it's probably not. 
But in my story, I stood in my story of like, it solved loneliness for me. Hey, audience, vulnerably, this might be something you're going through. Could that be the, the vulnerable story that I could share that allows me to almost be more confident in being an evangelist for the product I sell? Absolutely. And the keystone that you're talking about there, Chris, is empathy, mm-hmm. right? There's a, and I say keystone or cornerstone, depending on what, what you, you know, where you want to look at it. But that is the place from which you build empathy. And, and I'm, I'm someone whose number one strength is empathy. Mm-hmm. And all the assessments I've taken over the course of 20 plus years, it still continues to be the number one is empathy. And there's two ways to look at that. Some people might say, wow, that makes you an incredibly powerful individual because you have the ability to feel people's feelings as if they are your own. On the other hand, there might be some people that say, that sounds terrible. Dude, get like, I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know how you silence the noise in your head and pick up on the emotions of other people. How do you, how do you navigate all that? For me, it's always been a superpower. And, and in storytelling and in points of vulnerability, like you shared, if you can meet someone from a place of empathy that I believe you can help solve any problem for them, regardless of the technology, regardless of the brand. If, I mean, you, you put the word loneliness on the table, so let's go there. How do you solve loneliness in this world? Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been surgeon generals that have been appointed by the U.S. government to say, help us solve this problem. Let's do it therapeutically. Let's do it medically. Let's do it with substance. Let's do it with technology. All of those things are, are attempts at trying to connect with another human. And I think every single person on this planet can relate to what you just shared, right? We, we encountered unmatched levels of loneliness for the first time in our life. And we're emerging out of that in ways now but I would argue I'm not the same person. Mm-hmm. You're not the same person. Right. So the last thing I want is somebody to come to me and talk to me as if I'm the same person that was uh, interested in buying or interested in selling or interested in investing two plus years ago. I'm not the same person. So start from a place of empathy, which requires curiosity, mm-hmm. requires inquiry, deep listening, and those are things that I think if you talk about certain workforces, right, those are not necessarily things that we've doubled down invested in until recently. And that's why I'm very proud to sort of hang my hat where I hang my hat, right? We all have choices as to where we go, what we pursue, where we work, the brands we stand behind. I was very intentional, and that's what landed me at, at Microsoft as well. Ironically, they found me. Because I'm a storyteller. They found me because of my podcast. I don't, I don't know if uh, that was the universe telling me, hey, man, stand in your passion mm-hmm. and keep doing this. It's going to change lives and it's changing my life. I didn't intend to do this, but I'm going to. Um, I got to tell you, thank you. When we had that conversation, I was there to, to train uh, a team that had just gone through uh, basically a half acquisition, half the team got bought, half the company got bought, but there were some people that were still there. And speaking of empathy, speaking of vulnerability, you're like, hey, uh, you know, based on your work, you're like, hey, you should literally almost like throw a funeral uh, and allow people to grieve losing 
what was of the old. And when you told me, I was like, Bill is crazy. Like I, pre- I have been prepping for <laughs> this six hour training yeah. of this team. And now he wants me to throw a funeral and allow these people to grieve the old. I'm like, oh, man, this is nuts. Well, I was like, you know what? Most people, like I wanted to be disruptive. I wanted to zig yeah. when everyone else would zag. I wanted to take the advice and say, if I'm not trying to, to learn from failure, then I'm not learning at all. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I, jotted, I remembered our notes, remembered our conversation, and I'm going to do it. So I do it. And you hear people share these incredible things about like what they're going to miss and what they're mourning and, and what was so tough. And I gave him a place because you and I chatted about it, that it was safe with their leader in the room that was leading kind of version 2.0. And what was, and so I, I thought, man, this is so cool. I thought it was so great, you know, but I didn't know how much, you know, impact I was like, well, this is cool. And it was vulnerable for me um, because I was like, I've never done this before, but I met a guy that, the story he told me was like, Hey, this is going to be great. You got to go do this. I did it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the leader came back to me about, I don't know, uh, three weeks ago. I said, I don't know if I ever told you. And I said, uh, told me what? And he said, one of the most impactful things that you did was allowing us to mourn. And for me to hear all the things that people were going to miss from the previous company, because they would have never told me that. But now I know what needs to be inserted and infused in the current 2.0, and I can name the narrative whatever I want, but I can bring those things back. So I just wanted to say on the podcast, thank you so much for, I guess, taking the time of being vulnerable and honest with me, like, hey, you should do this. Um, You should think about this and and for doing it. And I think that turns me into thinking about that even though we're all storytellers, we have to kind of find the type of storyteller that we are going mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would consider myself a, a storyteller that um, motivates and encourages people, infuses a lot of energy, makes them excited about a better future story. Um, and I would suggest, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I would suggest in our time spent, I feel like that you are able to sit present in what the story is today and kind of look at change and enablement for helping people go and 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 get the story that they want. Um, is that a fair assessment, by the way? Yeah, I mean, you have essentially surmised what what my day to day role is, right? I'm I'm a I'm a director of change, right? And I know that you were also a a fan of movies. We both share you know, the George Lucas portfolio that really kind of impacted our, our lives growing up with Star Wars and the whole, you know, evolution of that ecosystem. And you surmised it perfectly. I get to be a director. So think of like a director on a movie set um, who sees the vision, right? I know that we've got uh, a movie set. I know that we've got actors. I know that we've got scripts and roles and costumes, but I've got to see beyond all that. I've got to turn it into something that is going to truly move the heart, the mind, the body of the people who I'm trying to transform and change their lives. So I have to see the vision of where I want people to go, to be, to evolve, to hope, to aspire. And the key piece of that is understanding where they're at now. Mm -hmm. So I can't just walk on set and say, all right, roll roll cameras, right? I have to understand who I'm working with. What are their challenges? 
what's their what's their trauma, right? I mean, think about it. Every time somebody goes to work, and I used to tell this to my team all the time when I was in consulting, we never know what's going on at home. Mm-hmm. We also never know what happened between leaving home and getting to work, right? And what's really interesting about that, that, that entire thing has completely shrunk into there's no break for people anymore. Mm-hmm. So you used to have a buffer, you don't have that buffer anymore. So I would remind my teams, never assume you know what's going on either at home or outside the workplace and, and meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, that's ingredient number one, right? Mile zero of any digital transformation is change and understanding that you are literally asking people to do one of the most fearful things ever, and that is change. And it goes back to your point around loneliness too, Chris. The immediate sensation that somebody has when you say to them, I need you to change, is a loss of belonging, a sense of loneliness, and a fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Tell me one human that hasn't experienced those feelings before at some point in their life. So I show up very equipped to hold those feelings and be present, like you said, be present in that before asking anyone to do anything, read anything, try anything. Yeah, I, it reminds me of Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture Code, when he's talking mm-hmm. about the three things that people look for in a company. And it's that exact thing, right? Am I safe here? Uh, you know, do I belong here? Uh, and then three, is there is there a future here for me? Like, do I believe that I'm... Uh, is there a future and can I be vulnerable about the future I want and how I can, how I can partner with you to get it. Um, it sparked, uh, you sparked something in my mind that is a really difficult question, but I think I get asked this and I hate for, you know, when people to listen to a guest like yourself or listen to the podcast and feel like, and they didn't tackle the hard stuff. Like, oh, it's easy for them to say, right? Oh, he yeah. works at Microsoft. So I want to ask, I'm going to ask a tough question. Feel free. Please. Like, I don't want to answer and we can edit all this out and that's cool. But I want to know, so you see those actors, you see almost the transformation of, you know, let's just keep using the, the Star Wars. A lot of people get it. So you see Luke working with, uh, you know, the uncle in the, in the mechanic shop, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the evolution to... Uh, basically saving the entire empire and defeating Darth Vader. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you see that transformation from, but, but you meet them where they are and you see the transformation. My wonder is, what if that person doesn't want that transformation? Yeah. What if you begin to meet them where they are and essentially guide them, not be the hero, but guide them to that transformation of, you know, this is this is what we hope and believe you can become here at Microsoft or at insert brand. Yeah. Well, what if they don't want that? Um, yeah. I, I, I want to, I would love to hear about Chris. I'm a director of change and I enable people and I tell stories. Well, what happens when someone rejects that story? They're like, no, yeah. that's not the story for my life. So share a Absolutely. little bit on that. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you asking that question because that's the reality of it. Right. Um, the fact is I, I am wired. This is just how I'm wired, right? This is why my podcast started six years ago. I'm wired to see the truest potential in others, period, right? 
that's just just what I see, as you said. Like I see sort of an aura around people. I see a glow around people. I see potential in people. Your question is, if if they're not ready, it is not my job. To, it is not my job to force them because it is their journey, right? We can all talk about how Obi Wan talked to Luke and said, "Hey, you know, this this is a journey." But but remember, Luke had to get to a place where he felt he was ready for it, right? If he wasn't ready, Obi-Wan wasn't going to force it, right? And, and to me, I feel like everyone has to have their own journey. I cannot co-opt somebody else's journey. I cannot co-opt their learning. I cannot take their heartbreak from them. And so when I encounter people who say, I'm not ready or I'm not going there, I honor it. I respect it. I might have a conversation with them to say, hey, I want you to be successful. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be in the future spacecraft, if you will. Uh, but if people willingly and with discernment opt out, I respect that. Um, everybody has their path to walk. I've walked my own. I've had many coaches and mentors and sponsors and teachers that I thank along the way. And there were also times, Chris, where I was like, no, not today. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. And I respect that. Everybody deserves the opportunity to grieve, to learn, to walk in their own power. I just want to be the, the person, the human that tells them you've got that power. You know, as, as the podcast is titled, The Best Story Wins, I always try to challenge people to think about, you know, what's the best story you can communicate that will compel your audience because that's the win the mm -hmm. win is how do i compel the audience i'm in front of i mean we're talking about my son carmichael six years old me telling him the best story communicated in the moment to compel yeah. him to clean up his playroom <laughs> or in your case uh compel someone to lean into this potential which means scary failure i don't know if i can do it uh for the sake of we, we believe you can become x here at microsoft or just in your life so how do you determine what the best story is uh, to communicate in these moments? Because if you have, let's just call it, you know, 20 people underneath you, they all need a different narrative, a different story. They also all have a different narrative and a different story. They're yeah. telling themselves and they're currently living out. And I can only imagine um, – the amount of time, because this is what I always get with people when we talk about team and all that. I feel like the, the, the salespeople, the marketing people, it doesn't matter. Anybody in an organization, the ones that are feeling lonely or lost the most mm -hmm. are two sets of people. Set one, performing at a high level. So their leader just kind of, ah, I got to go deal with the squeaky wheels. Those aren't. So they don't get any story told to them other than you're doing great. Keep it up. Move on. Well, a lot of them thirst for more because – they're a high performer and achiever and they want someone to, to speak to their potential, speak to where they're going, speak to a better future. So that's one group. The other group is we all get the same story. There is no differentiation. And so when I hear what you're saying, you know, to go to the star Wars metaphor that we'll just keep going on, there was a different story for Leia than there was for Luke. They yeah. were two different people. Yeah. And so um, I, I want to hear from you of like, what goes into saying, okay, Chris, this is a story that I want to share with him. This is the narrative I want to communicate. This is the best one for Chris. And then, yeah. then you leave Chris 
or you leave the virtual call or whatever, and you're like, okay, now I'm tuned into Sarah. Sarah, this tell the audience what goes into that because I think leaders are going to listen to this and be like, I really struggle with knowing what to tell them, so I just tell everyone the same thing because that's the easiest thing to do. Well, I want to start exactly there, right? I will. I will start off by saying that something pretty controversial that I that I beat this drum as much as I can. Leadership is lonely. I'll say it again. Leadership is lonely. People don't necessarily understand what I mean by that. What I mean is exactly what you're saying, which is leaders, high performers, have a life driven by calendars, and they don't have the time to catch their breath, much less reflect on what is the story that's resonant in them and for the people that they're leading. So the first thing we need to do is literally guard, like guardians of the galaxy, guard that time for these leaders and say, I want you today, leader, to go take a walk, a long walk by a body of water. And I want you to think about what this stuff means to you. Because if you don't, if you don't feel it's resonating with you, then the people you're leading, right, are going to are going to sense that and they're not going to follow you. So that's kind of first and foremost. Leadership is lonely and we need to change that. We absolutely need to change that. In order for them to understand that the common arc of any story is the hero's journey. Every single story that we love. I don't care if it's an Adele song, a George Lucas film, a Hans Zimmer uh, composition or a John Williams composition. Words or no words. Every single one of those stirs something in us that brings a part of our heart to life. And what happens is our mind connects with our heart and says, what do I want to do with this sensation? I'm alive. It's a miracle, right? I mean, we don't have to look too far back to the, the recent, you know, events in space to realize it's kind of a miracle, right? That we're just sitting on this spinning rock and having these experiences. And then we get to talk about the hero's journey, right? It could all end tomorrow. So, that's the common element that I think to myself is everybody, if, if, if folks look up just sort of the five parts of the common hero's journey, you can look it up out, uh, online. It's pretty straightforward. You'll, re- you'll relate to it. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in every song. It's in every movie. And I bring that up because we don't have to necessarily find the, the 100 million different variations for people's stories. Mm. What we need to find is the tune the melody, the frequency that is in someone so that their story comes to life. The common element, the, the, the quilt, the patchwork that holds us all together is the hero's journey. Um, and, I, and I think we've all been through that. We go through it every day, every night. We dream about it, right? If, you, if anyone dreams and writes down their dreams and journals of dreams, go back and look at it. You're basically work, working your way through the hero's journey. And work is no different. Life is no different. It's an expression of who we are as humans. So to me, those are the two pieces I would say. Like, you know, we as leaders have a, an obligation here to give ourselves space, give our people space, remind them of the power of stories. This is how we're going to change the world. Yeah, I, when I hear what you're saying, you know, to, to even just put it really simply, okay, leadership is lonely. And not only is it lonely, but if your role is trying to help the people on your team become the hero, well, then that means that you are not the hero. You are the guide, which leads to loneliness because you're not typically going to get the 
affirmation. Uh, you're not going to get the congratulations, great job, unless potentially you're in a company that values the guy. You know, for instance, in your role, your company values the guy. They value the person that's helping people move from, uh, you know, from the beginning of the hero's journey to becoming the hero, and then probably restarting that in their next role. Think about how many people don't know what Ken Burns looks like. Right. But they know Ken Burns' style. Sure. Right? Think about how many people probably don't see the producer or the director in front of the camera, right? There's a, there's a phrase that sometimes we use, you know, be the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's, that is a dance every single day in this work, no question. Yeah. But I aspire to be the guide on the side because there's going to be an incredible production that's put together. And I... I want to make sure that while the actors have tears in their eyes because the audience is applauding them in such a way, I'm not looking at the audience. I'm looking at the the tears in the in the actors' eyes mm. reflecting the audience. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Because I think a lot of organizations are focused so much on the audience because that's revenue, that's profit, that then they fail to see the emotions and the feelings and the story mm. that the actual – employees and the workers and the teams are experiencing and going through. And this is probably why we're seeing, uh, you know, quiet quitting and all these, all these words about people leaving and disengagement and uh, you know, Hey, I'm going to start my own consultancy because I've been a performer, blah, blah, blah. To a point where I, you know, I, I, I wonder if like, like we are last conversation where Microsoft is becoming and is now saying we want storytelling to be so impactful that we want to share internal stories of various people within our organization because we want you to know the people you work with their story. And I think there's an insane amount of power in that. All right. I'm going to give you the last, the last word uh, here. And I guess when I, when I think about what, what we, what we talked about today, we talked a lot about essentially helping people internally, become the hero and that mm-hmm. leaders are looking to be the guide. And if you remember my first convert, my first kind of story I told was about this, what we would call a LinkedIn influencer that has, uh, you know, tons of followers. And I asked her, you know, Hey, why doesn't your company want to invest in you uh, or want to develop more storytellers? I think is what I evangelist. She said, well, because at any moment I could pick up and take my 50,000 followers to the next brand. And so why would they want to invest in people that at any moment aren't loyal and don't want to be a part of XYZ company? They've lost all of that, Mm -hmm. Um, all that influence. And what I find so interesting is, is that I heard Ron Howard recently on an interview and he said, you know, what I look for when I'm producing a movie, and it's so fitting what we're talking about. He said, I look for two things. I want the actors to see themselves in the role they're playing. But I want the audience to also see themselves in the movie they're watching. And when I heard that, if companies would shift their mindset to say, well, I'm developing evangelists and storytellers here because I want them to see themselves as being a part of this forever. And I want their audience to see themselves as the audience member, a part of our brand and where they fit then now they're less worried about if this person's leaving, but more valuable to them. We're creating a culture of storytelling. We're creating a culture 
of evangelists. So here's my question to you. How does a leader that's out there right now that knows the value in storytelling, how do they, how do they make storytelling or stories or communication, strategic communication, how do they make that a core function of their culture? It starts by giving permission. It starts by setting the intention. And as you were talking about the power of what Ron Howard was saying, I'm reminded, and I'll leave you with this, there's a 2014 Super Bowl ad that Microsoft had. I encourage people to go look it up. Just type in in YouTube, you know, 2014 Microsoft Super Bowl ad. Microsoft was not a company that was asked often to do ads for the Super Bowl. That ad became one of the highest award-winning, viewed, put us in a different stratosphere. And the reason being is because the entire ad was stitched together stories from customers. None. There, there was no PR agency. There was no ad agency. There was no glitz, no glamour. They took actual footage submitted by customers and Microsoft employees working with customers put it together and said, let the story speak for itself. I challenge anyone listening or watching to watch that ad and not tear up. I challenge you. I, I've watched it. I can't even tell you how many times I still get emotional. The reason that happened was because somebody granted permission and said, let's set the intention. What is our intention? Our intention here is to show people what it means to empower every individual and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Well, how do we tell that story? We show the stories. That's it. And, and for me, you don't have to do much more. You just give the space, give permission, set the intention, and then trust your people. The rest of it will take care of itself. And to your point around people leaving with loyalty and all that, other, you won't have to worry about that. Because they'll want to be right where you are if you've granted them those key things. We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Best Story Wins with Chris Watson and that you have learned from the art and science of storytelling and story crafting to be able to go tell stories that win.